What's up, everyone, and welcome to the show. Before we get this episode started, I want to talk to you guys about Ready Nutrition. Ready Nutrition is for athletes who love to outwork the odds. They are a sports nutrition brand that not only has great products, but more importantly, has a great message, and that is why I am super grateful to be working with them as a brand ambassador. Anyone that knows me knows that I am very particular about what I put into my body. I want minimal ingredients, no sugar, all natural and high protein foods that help fuel my workouts and my day, and Ready Nutrition is exactly that. They have a full lineup of supplements like protein powder, protein bars, protein puffs, and protein water. The Ready Protein Water is one of the most unique items I've ever seen. There is no sugar, 1 gram of carbs, 0 grams of fat, and 15 grams of protein per bottle. They are the perfect pre or post workout drink or if you just need a snack with extra protein. Oh, and they taste amazing. I want to work with brands who share the same values as me, and Ready Nutrition does exactly that. Hard work conquers all, and it's not about where you start, it's about where you finish. I have a special offer for all my listeners. If you go to readyismade.com and use my referral code, ANTHONYP20, you can save 20% off your first order. Then, once you love the product as much as I do, you can go back to readyismade.com and order more while using my code in the referral box when you get to checkout. This will help support me and also help Ready Nutrition know who sent you. I wouldn't recommend a product if I didn't fully believe in it, so head to readyismade.com and try it out today. That's readyismade.com, R-E-A-D-Y-I-S-M-A-D-E. Dot com and use my referral code Anthony P twenty A N T H O N Y P twenty to save twenty percent off your first order and then when you go back enter my code again in the referral box and that shows that you support me and it also shows that you support Ready Nutrition. I appreciate it. Um, I think you guys are gonna love the products just as much as I do. I definitely would give it a try, especially the protein water. It's one of the one of the best products I've ever used, and, and I've used a lot over the course of my life. I appreciate you guys. Let's dive into the episode. All right, I got a very special guest today joining me on the podcast. I have Coach uh, Bobby Jordan, and and I'm really really excited to talk to you about a lot of different things, Coach. Um, uh, first things first, I, I just again want to thank you for taking the time out. You know, I know it's a busy time of year, kind of ramping up for the season, and uh, I know you have a lot going on. So I appreciate you taking the time to kind of talk to me about a couple of different things today, and uh, hopefully it's going to be a good conversation. But I always like to kind of start these with kind of giving you the floor and just kind of letting people, you know, know as far as who you are and kind of your background if they, if they're not familiar with you. And then we'll dive into some different questions and whatnot that I have for you. So go ahead and just kind of tell people your background as far as playing, coaching, and, and you know, whatever else that you want to get out there. Anthony, first off, uh, thanks a lot for having me on the podcast. Um, like you said, really looking forward to our conversation. Um, love how your podcast is continuing to, you know, grow the game of basketball and allow, you know, people from all over the country to, to get a different perspective from different coaches, different trainers, um, all over. Cause I feel that's a big help to a lot of guys in the industry now who are coming up and, you know, I, I use these as tools to get better 
Um, and I hope people are, you know, listening to your podcast as well in order to, to get better and grow. Um, in terms of uh, my background, uh, playing, uh, kind of start off in, in college. Uh, I played at Drexel University uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, played for Bruiser Flint. Uh, started out as a walk-on uh, at, at, to start out at Drexel um, and eventually earned my way to a scholarship um, in my last year at the school. Um, had a great experience playing for Brew there. Uh, was part of some very good teams. Um, and just the overall experience of Division One college basketball and, you know, playing in certain places like you know, Madison Square Garden, the Siegel Center at VCU, um, you know, talking about CA tournaments and places like Creighton, Syracuse, Villanova. Um, you know, that's an experience that, you know, at the time, you know, I didn't really think about how much that was going to mean uh, until I got finished playing. Um because you never really get to, you only get to experience that once. Yep. And it's either going to be as a player or as a coach. Uh, so those type of experiences have, have meant a lot to me and really have able, allowed me to, to grow as a coach. Um, I don't have much to say about my stats at Drexel. Um, they're not very, uh, you know, glaring. They're not going to jump off the page at you. Actually, my wife has better stats than me <laughs> in, in college basketball. I don't really like to talk about that much. She, she does. Um, but I went to Drexel really to get into coaching. Uh, that was my kind of sole purpose of, of going to, you know, walk on at a division one school and really just to learn, to learn from, you know, a great, we had a great staff at Drexel, uh, just be around that division one, um, program in order to, you know, really see what it's like in and out every day. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize the amount of hours. And, and dedication that go into running a Division One program, uh, not just from a basketball perspective, uh, recruiting, um, academics, um, compliance, um, talking about stuff with donors and alumni, uh, and you know you, you really have to experience that in order to really know what it means uh, when you get into that. Uh, so, had a great experience at Drexel playing, and then jumped right into coaching after that with Brew on his staff. Uh, was a GA for one year, um, then became our assistant director of basketball operations the next year, um, and then eventually became an assistant coach the year after that. Uh, at the time, I was 24 years old uh, as an assistant coach, one of the youngest assistant coaches in the country at the Division One level at the time. Uh, so that was my goal when I went to Drexel was you know, to become a Division One coach. It necessarily didn't have to be at my alma mater. Uh, that just made it a little extra special. Uh, being still at home at Drexel and, you know, helping brew with the program and helping him to continue um, to get the Dragons going every night. Um, and then after that, uh, I went into high school coaching. We unfortunately got let go at Drexel. Uh, brew did an unbelievable job there for 15 years. Um, and like most times in coaching, uh, guys are let go. Um, it's very rare that you know, guys stay at one place for, you know, 20, 30 years. You know, it's the Coach K's, the Bayheims, the, the Izzo's of the world that are able to do that. Uh, so I actually went into to high school coaching for a couple years uh, where I was at first um, the athletic director at Girard College, which is a private boarding school in Philadelphia. I didn't coach the team the first year. Um, kind of wanted to get a year to, to get better as a coach. I kind of saw it as an opportunity to – to go to other practices and local colleges around, um, 
you know, kind of watch more games on TV, watch more film on Synergy. I uh, worked for a scouting service called EV Hoops uh, that did a lot of scouting for the NBA. Uh, so it allowed me to really, you know, dive into that area um, and, and get to know, you know, better ways of how to evaluate players. Uh, and the more basketball you watch, the more you're going to pick up, whether you're evaluating players or, you know, looking for plays, you know, everything just, you know, keeps getting you better as much as you watch it. Um, so that first year was interesting. Uh, you know, I wound up coaching that summer on the EYBL uh, with Rob Brown and team final uh, just to, you know, keep my coaching juices flowing uh, and stay out on the AAU scene. Uh, we went through a couple coaching changes. So my second year at Girard, I wound up coaching. Uh, so it was, you know, a good opportunity because it was actually my first head coaching job. Uh, wow. I didn't truly appreciate at first, I think, what it meant to be a head coach and to gain that experience. I think people get caught up on levels sometimes. Like, you know, I coach at Division One, or I coach at NAIA or I coach at JUCO. Um, being a head coach uh, is an honor and a privilege no matter what level you're on because, you know, there's not many times that you get to call a timeout or – you know, determine who goes into the games or determine what your team's going to do in practice. So, you know, that experience, my first year at Girard as a head coach, uh, was something that, you know, at first I didn't really look at how much it was going to benefit me down the line, uh, but it truly did. Uh, we went uh, 20 and six that first year, uh, or I'm sorry, 21 and six, um, won, our, won our league championship, made the state playoffs. Unfortunately, we lost in the state playoffs. Um, and then I was offered a job at IMG Academy uh, in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, so I moved my family down to IMG uh, for for the year. Uh, unbelievable experience there. I was talking to somebody the other day. They kind of asked me to describe IMG, um, and I pretty much said it's Disneyland for sports. Yes. Um, you know, so that's kind of pretty much the best way to describe it. Worked with an unbelievable staff down there. Brian Nash, who's their director of basketball, um, Sean McAloon, uh, another coach in the program, uh, just an unbelievable group of guys and coaches that, you know, kind of like what I talked about before, it allowed me another chance to be a head coach and run my own program. Uh, but it also allowed me to learn from other guys. Uh, sometimes guys have egos in, in the coaching business and they don't want to hear what other people say. Um, you know, I took it as an opportunity down at IMG to learn from coaches, from all different backgrounds and kind of get ideas from them, whether it was through practice, through games, individual workouts, um, you know, even simple things such as camp, um, mm -hmm. you know, that can really, you know, benefit you down the line. Um, so I was at IMG for a year and was eventually offered an assistant coaching position here at Wagner College with our head coach, Bashir Mason, um, who me and Bashir played together um, at Drexel for two years. Uh, so it was a great opportunity to, you know, get back in Division One basketball, uh, go to an unbelievable program here at Wagner. Uh, Bosch has done an unbelievable job with this, with this program in his in his eight years as the head coach, and has really raised the profile of this institution. And it was, you know, basically, you know, a great opportunity to come work for a guy who I played with, a guy who I respect, um, and and family family, which is, you know, one thing which a lot of people talk about in coaching, uh, being able to work with, you know, family, guys you've played with, guys you've been in the trenches with, 
um, you know, it's an unbelievable experience. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I like, I like how you, you know, you touched on that, that you were a walk on and, and, and you kind of went with the understanding of like the experience factor because I, I was the same way. I was actually a walk on a Robert Morris. So I know we, we played you guys twice a year, uh, meeting Wagner. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I went into it with the idea of, you know, I want to coach and, and I want to learn. And, and that was kind of my main, my main goal, I guess you could say, because obviously if you, if you're a walk on, you know, that the value you're, you're going to provide to the team is going to be different than, than, you know, the scholarship guys. And I knew that, you know, going in and, you know, like you said too, with playing at the different arenas, we played at air force and Georgia and New Mexico state. And, you know, we played at some really, really big time schools, Cincinnati. I mean, and that was, that was great because everyone doesn't get to do that. Like you said. And then I got to kind of see that, that day to day grind, you know, as a division one athlete, and that kind of helped me, actually not kind of, it, it did help me understand, you know, now that I'm working with players kind of that level as far as, you know, we have a long way to go. You know, as, if you want to play in college, I've seen, you know, Division One college, I've seen different, you know, big-time schools as far as, like, Power 5 schools. You know, I've seen it, you know, firsthand, and I think that's helped me tremendously as far as helping players grow and, and kind of, showing them what they need to do you know obviously the speed and the athleticism and things like that you can't really explain it's one of those things you got to get out there and you know experience but as far as like the skill you know skill level and things along those lines I could kind of speak from experience when you know maybe you know maybe your you know coach or trainer you're working with Maybe he he can't because he didn't experience it, you know, and that's not a bad thing, but that's just like, like you said, there's levels. So understanding that I think really, really helped me and obviously it helped you too. But I I want you to kind of speak on, because I had Damon Altizer, uh, a guy that I really, really like and and, and look up to, you know, in the training industry, and he was a walk-on at at UVA, and we were kind of just talking about that grind as, you know, being a walk-on. And I know I have stories for days about <laughs> different things as far as just getting beat up in practice and getting beat up, in, you know, in the weight room and just really, really working my butt off. So, like, just kind of speak on what that was like as far as that grind, at, you know, as a walk-on. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously not a, a glamorous life. Um, you know, you're not the person on the poster or, you know, the guy that, you know, they're taking to the, you know, media day um, in the preseason. Um, but the biggest thing, uh, you know, I think that, you know, most, you know, walk-ons or, or guys in that situation, you know, one thing you learn is kind of, you know, you kind of alluded to it, the grind, the work ethic, um, because it's tough. I mean, most guys are, are coming from a place where, you know, I, I started for four years in high school and now all of a sudden I wasn't even getting off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think really what it taught me was, you know, just a the preparation for life um, in terms of when you're done college, like nothing's going to be easy. Uh, nothing, nobody's giving you a job or nobody's just going to let you show up for work and sit there all day and read ESPN and, and give you a paycheck. Um, you know, so that stuff really is something that, you know, I think people don't realize and what they also need to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if you're not willing to accept that, then you're, you're not going to have a shot to be a walk on on the team. Yeah, uh, you know, 100%. coach, coaches, coaches at the division one level, they want to walk on who, you know, is going to work hard, is going to push their guys. You know, he's not going to back down. Uh, he's going to push their guys to get better. He's going to 
get in the gym with them at nights or on the weekends to work on their game when the coaches may be out recruiting or doing some scouting, scouting work. Um, you know, you got to be an extension of the coaching staff on the team. Yes. Um, you know, uh, but, but like no, I said, no, 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 not to cut you off, but just as soon as you said that, that, that really kind of, kind of rang a bunch of bells in my head because I, I actually had a, had a roommate, obviously he was on the team, he was a scholarship guy and, and he was really out of shape. And I mean, he'll be the first to admit that, you know, he, he kind of, I mean, like he had this, all the skill. I'm, I'm sure you've seen players like this before, had all the skill, just kind of the diet wasn't right. You know, he'd kind of wouldn't do any extra, you know, it was just kind of show up to the mandatory stuff and, and, you know, you know, work relatively hard, but nothing, you know, you know, at that level, you got to be putting in time on your own and doing extra things as far as, you know, conditioning and weight room and, you know, things like that. And he just really didn't do that. And I remember we had an assistant coach and, you know, obviously we were roommates and he would call me all the time and, you know, hey, aunt, you know, take take Joe on a run today or, you know, take Joe to the weight room today because, you know, I'm trying to call his phone and, you know, he's not answering or he's not, you know, whatever, whatever. You know how that goes. And I remember, you know, I would be like, hey, Joe, like, you know, let, let's go on a run. And for whatever reason, you know, they would listen to me. And, and I thought and that's kind of when the light bulbs in, in my mind kind of went off as far as, you know, maybe I can be a coach, you know, because they could have looked at me and said, you know, no, like, like, you know, get out of my face. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear from the coach. I don't want to hear from you either. You know how guys could get moody like that. But whenever I was like, hey, yeah. Joe, you know, let, let's go get extra lift in or, hey, Joe, you want to get some shots or, you know, whatever it was, he was always, yeah, you know, let's do it. And we would go. And it was kind of like you said, I was like an extension of a coach because then the coaching staff, instead of calling him, they would call me and just say, hey, you know, just have him go on like a quick mile run or so. Like, you know, you'll run with him, right? And, and always, I was always down because that was the number one thing that, that I felt I brought to the team as far as work ethic. And that's the number one thing that I think I took away from that experience as far as like just working my butt off. Because like you, I mean, like you were talking about, I was a four-year starter in high school. I mean, I scored over 1,000 career points. I had all those accolades. So that's going from like the top to the bottom. But I knew that, and I was thinking long term as far as when I'm done playing, I, I want to stay in basketball, and I, and I want to coach, and I want to be able to say that you know I played or was on the team, whatever you want to call it, at the highest level. And I think that that helped me a lot too. So when you were talking about being like a, an extension of the coach, that really, really kind of resonated with me in terms of that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, one of the things, and, and we've kind of alluded to this, um, you know, that I that I talk to young coaches about who kind of ask me, well, how do you build relationships with your players? How do you build relationships with your players? Uh, and the, one, the first thing I always said, say to them is you got to build some sweat equity with them. Um, guys want to see you get in the gym with them. They want to see you out there working with them. They don't want you on the side telling them, like you said, to run one mile or run two miles, and then you're waiting back on the bench with your coffee until they come back. No, they, they want you to do it with them. Um, and, and that's how I think, you know, that's what I learned from being a walk on. And then also, you know, as a coach, I've, I've learned that's a good way to, you know, just build trust, build relationships with your players is get them in the gym and work with them, build that sweat equity with them. Because the biggest thing a player nowadays wants to know is how are you going to get me better? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a great way to kind of start that relationship and continue to build upon it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. It's, it's kind of like that practice what you preach. You know, if, if you're going to tell me, 
you know, work hard, you know, eat right, you know, whatever condition, you know, whatever, whatever. Like you said, you better be willing to kind of come out and, and you know, come with me rather than sit there and, and wait for me. I, I like how you put that for sure. But kind of moving on, like, as far as your coaching career goes, like, talk about, like, some players that, that you were able to work with and, and develop over the course of your high school coaching career. Because I know, obviously, Gerard College and IMG are, are two pretty, you know, known schools as far as producing pretty good players. So if you can, just kind of speak on that as far as, you know, having the opportunity to work with those, you know, level of players and kind of watching them develop over time. Well, I mean, one of my biggest things, you know, in terms of coaching and players that you're talking about is, uh, you know, when I was coaching that team final, I used to say this to my, you know, assistant all the time is, you know, his name's Calvin. He coaches at Cabrini now. I said, Calvin, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. So I had um, a couple guys at Girard who we were fortunate enough to bring into the program um, when I got there. Um, It was a program that was kind of down for a little bit. And uh, these guys came in and, you know, kind of raised the level of the program. Uh, one kid, uh, Mikhail Jones, um, who's actually now still at IMG Academy. Um, he's in their postgrad program. He's committed to VCU uh, for next year. Uh, another kid, Rodney Carson, um, who's now at New Orleans, uh, who was at Combine Academy last year. Uh, he did a postgrad year there and is now at New Orleans um, with another another. Uh, kid by the name of Daquan Copeland, who's at Frank Phillips Junior College right now. I think you'll see him on the Division One radar um, starting next year uh, after he graduates this year from Frank Phillips. Um, and then IMG, what can I say, is just, you know, it's a, it's a tons of talent down there on multiple teams. Uh, you know, I think the one thing that's kind of really changed about the academy is, you know, Sean McAloon runs the national team at the high school level, and they won the national championship last year and had unbelievable players, unbelievable staff, um, and just an unbelievable run to win the Geico championship. Uh, but we also have other high school teams within the academy. Uh, my team was kind of that next team, that next level team at the academy. I um, was fortunate enough to coach Eric Daly, uh, who's part of USA Basketball now. He's, in my mind, he's one of the top 25 sophomores in the country. Uh, you know, so he's been involved in a lot of USA basketball stuff. I think he'll start appearing on the national radar uh, sooner than later because uh, I think he has an unbelievable chance to, to really take his game to the highest level. Um, my big fella, big Zach Eady, uh, 7'3 center out of Canada, who will actually be on the national team this year um, for Sean McLoon. I know he's down to pretty much a final two schools between Baylor and Purdue. Um, so two excellent spots for him that utilize a guy, his size at seven foot three. Um, another, another player I had by the name of Mark high Strickland, um, who's committed to St. Louis right now. Uh, unbelievable athlete came to us from the Miami area. His dad played at temple, uh, it was a pleasure to coach him for a year and really help him develop his game. Uh, point guard from Puerto Rico by the name of Javier Trellis, um, who I loved coaching. You know, just had that had that swagger to him. He's not necessarily going to pass the eye test. Uh, you know, he doesn't jump out of the page with you with his measurables, uh, but he can drop 30 points on you quick. Um, and he probably didn't have as much you know notoriety as the other guys on our team that I kind of just talked about. Uh, but he probably produced more than any of those guys throughout the year consistently. 
so somebody that I think, you know, a lot of these guys are still in high school or committed to schools already. So a couple guys you might hear uh, coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm happy you brought up the idea of like those measurables and whatnot, because that's something else I wanted to talk to you about as far as obviously now you're at Wagner. And, um, you know, you have different responsibilities, obviously, outside of, you know, coaching your current team, you know, recruiting and whatnot. Again, I don't know, you know, your exact position in that, but I know you said you talked about, you know, your, your past with, as far as valuation and stuff goes. So, like, if, I, if I'm a player and I'm, and I'm kind of looking, you know, to kind of, quote, unquote, you know, get noticed, get seen, like, what type of advice and, and kind of what type of stuff do you look for? Obviously, I know that it kind of varies, you know, depending on what you're looking for and, you know, but just kind of like a general outlook. I, I feel like that there's such like a disconnect with players thinking I got to go, go score 30, you know, if, if I want to get recruited or I got to do this, I got to do that. So like kind of speak on that in terms of, you know, what, what is it that you look for in a general sense rather than not, I won't paint you in the corner as far as like, what, what do you, what does Wagner need? You know, just in general, like, like what, what do you look for in a player? You know, one of the things I, I, you know, when I was a head coach, I talked to my team about, uh, I had this thing called EAT, Everybody Eats, and it's a lot of what I look for in players. Um, and EAT stands for energy, attitude, and toughness. Um, you know, especially here, you know, we, get, we need guys that are tough, um, that are going to get in the trenches, no matter the measurables. You know, I, I would say the toughest kid on our team right now is our point guard, and he's the smallest player on our team. But he brings it every single day. He brings energy. He brings attitude. He brings toughness to the table every single day. Uh, no matter if it's a light practice or a heavy practice, it doesn't matter. Um, and, that, and that's one thing that I think is really underrated in recruiting. Usually guys look for, you know, guys in the gym that are, you know, dunking all over and running up and down. Um, but in terms of character, and do they have that stuff? You know, do they bring it every day? Uh, do they have the right attitude to, to get better, to want to get better? Um, do they have toughness when they hit adversity, you know, when the team is down um, and you need to come back? Um, you know, I, I think those are things that, you know, especially at the Division One level that you really need to look for um, because those, those kids are going to hit adversity. You know, they're not going to be the best player on their team as soon as they arrive on your campus, you know, at most levels of Division One. Uh, so how are they going to react? Um, do they have the attitude to want to get better or do they think they have arrived? Uh, because, you know, at this level, guys are, guys are getting better every day. You know, guys are in the gym every single day trying to get better. Um, and then energy, you need to bring it every single day. It's, it's not high school anymore where you can kind of lay back and take plays off and, you know, kind of just walk through practice because that guy that you're going against every day, he has a scholarship too. He's trying to play. So, I mean, those are a couple of the things that, you know, outside of the measurables and, you know, shooting, dribbling, passing, rebounding, you know, that I would look for. Yeah. So and, and then and then kind of you you kind of hit on it, but just kind of in your opinion, what what is like the biggest adjustment for, for players that are coming out of high school, you know, going into college and, and we'll, we'll keep it, you know, for as Wagner. So as a division one program, like what do you see? from kids that I mean you you were on both ends of that right so you you saw pretty high level high school kids go on to college and you kind of saw you know what they maybe kind of adapted to quicker rather than others so in your opinion like what do kids players rather what do they struggle with kind of as far as that adjustment goes yeah I mean I think the biggest thing is is really the intensity of the work the intensity of the work and you know like I talked about just talked about every single day practice you have to bring it um, you know, in high school, 
I'm not going to say you don't have to bring it every day, but there's not as much pressure to bring it every single day. There's not 13 guys on the team with a scholarship, you know, and most good schools, they're going to have, you know, four to five division one, division two players, and maybe a couple guys on the football team, a couple guys on the baseball team. Um, you know, those guys focus is not basketball at division one level. Everybody's focus is basketball. You know, they're there to, they're there to advance their career, whether it be overseas, whether it be the NBA, whatnot, that's what they're there to do. Um, you know, so the level of intensity that you need every single day, I feel is, you know, the biggest adjustment for guys. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and kind of staying on that same, same pathway as far as practice and intensity and, and things like that. Obviously, I'm in, I'm in the player development side of basketball, so I kind of, I, I'm kind of an independent guy. I work with various players and various ages and all that stuff. But I'm always interested kind of what – obviously, I know what we did at Robert Morris, and, and I'm sure you do some, you know, similar things as far as like what does your, your skill development in a team setting look like? So I know we had like a pre-practice routine we went through, and then throughout practice we had different things. Obviously, I know that especially this time of year, you know, you want to get your skill, you know, skill work in, but you also have to make sure you're sharp, you know, as far as a team cohesiveness goes. But kind of, what's something you guys do, or do you have anything you do on a daily basis in terms of like skill development? Yeah, I mean, we do. To be honest, we do a ton, a ton, a ton of work in every practice just based off individual work. Now I know guys do it a lot differently. Um, you know, they might have like just 15 minutes dedicated in the, before the practice or 10 minutes after the practice, you know, ours is consistent. Um, there might be individual work at the beginning of practice. It could be in the middle of the practice, it could be at the practice, it could be all three. Um, but I know coach does an unbelievable job and is a great developer of talent. And I think that's one of the reasons why, our guys have been able to get better throughout the years is we dedicate a ton of time uh, to individual skill work throughout the course of our practice. And it's not just 10 minutes before and we're going to get up shots. You know, it's throughout the whole course of practice. Yeah. And, and something else I, I want you to kind of speak on to any players that are listening to this as far as kind of what that looks like in terms of, you know, not doing anything crazy. Cause I know you, I'm sure you've seen, people have you know players doing unnecessary crazy (laughs) things that it's kind of like that's cool you know it looks good but I know that you know when I when I was at Robert Morrison and I tell players all the time that I work with like we would do you know jump stops into the pad with contact and finish and we would do you know different floaters and different things like that but we didn't do anything crazy so I kind of just want you to speak on that as far as you know, how simple but intense it is because I'm happy you brought up the intensity because that's even how in our summer workouts it was the same idea. It, it, it was simple, but, man, we were in there for 40 minutes or whatever that allotted time is, but it was 40 minutes of, you know, straight work. You know, the, there was yeah. no, no no wasted time, no BS, and we were there, we were going to work. And that intensity factor is huge, and that's why when players ask me, especially high school kids, you know, go, moving on to college, they kind of asked me, you know, what, what was it like? You know, what, what, what did you like? You know, da, 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 da. And I was like, number one, like you said, you better bring it because the intensity factor, if you don't bring it, you'll get exposed. And I think that's big. Mm-hmm. But then they always ask, well, what are the drills like? You know, is it, are they hard? And I'm thinking, 
they're really not. You know, they're intense, but the level of difficulty isn't like anything crazy. So I kind of want you to to talk on that. You know, as far as what you guys do and and the and the kind of the simplicity of the game rather than making it complicated. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because uh, I know John Calipari kind of went viral this year with kind of talking about it that that cones don't have hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny he got that from my boss Bruiser Flint because I, I actually text Brew when that came out and I said you said this 10 years ago mm-hmm. um, and he, he just laughed because they're best friends and he's like yeah Cal you know he's heard me say that a ton of times and, and I'm big with that in, in the whole skill development stuff when working with our guys um, and you see guys go you know between their legs behind their back throw the ball in the air and you know like you said you kind of see all that um, I don't know how game like that is. Uh, I'm big on, you know, like you said, intensity, guys' purpose. Uh, I mean, one of my biggest things is in a game, in a Division One basketball game, you got maybe three dribbles max to get off a shot. You know, now that 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 move that you make with that three dribbles, that that needs to have some purpose. That needs to have some intensity, like you said to it. Um, you know, so that's one of my biggest things is like there's only a handful of guys. You look at the NBA. James Harden, LeBron James, that that really like pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball to get themselves a shot. Um, you know, other than that, it's guys using two or three dribbles with a purpose to get off a shot or to make a move. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's one of the things I really like to harp on in my skill development is, you know, not necessarily limiting your dribbles, but you got to get to point A to point B with a purpose. And if you're not doing that, at this level, they're too good. You're, you're going to be too easily guarded. Uh, so that's kind of one of the things I really harp on. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. And, and I just think that when it comes down to it, you know, as far as player development goes, as long as players are getting better, you know, th- that's that's the number one thing. Everyone has a different, you know, way of doing things. And some I agree with, some I don't. But just sometimes, especially with social media nowadays, it's kind of like you watch this stuff and you think it's like a joke. You know, you're like, oh, that that, that must yeah. have been, a, yeah, that must have been like a like a funny like you know video they they made, and then you come to find out that they were being you know 100 percent serious, like they really have kids, like young kids doing this. Meanwhile, the kids can't you know jab step. You know, I I just I hate to see that, and, and that's kind of why I I, I want to continue doing what I'm doing in terms of working with the youth and working with young players too, because they need to learn how to play you know the right way, yep. and and that's been one of my big things and I'm sure people that have been listening consistently know that and they're probably getting tired of me saying it but what amazes me is how how many players kind of struggle with like knowing how to play and like what I mean by that is kind of like a jab step or you know a a, a pin down screen a flare screen you know like different different screens and different footwork like it's amazing to me because I mean before you know I did anything I learned you know vocabulary and terminology and and footwork and things like that so it's just amazing to me that when sometimes I get these kids in the gym especially young ones and they don't know you know I I had a group of they were seventh graders so they're not that young I had a group of seventh graders in the gym this past week and and I was like all right we're gonna do mic and drill And, and they looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language you know, and and I was like, man, I was taught Mike and drill like when I was in the second grade, like on my on my yeah. on my tight hoop. You know what I mean? Like so th- like that is kind of my mission in terms of kind of showing kids how to play in terms of, you know, what things mean and, and, and kind of explaining that, you know, that may look cool. And, you know, that you may do that once in your entire life. 
but you know you want to make sure you're fundamentally sound and kids don't want to hear that nowadays they they want to do the cool stuff but i know you know speaking to a coach even like you know like yourself you know you're telling me right now that that's what you look for in terms of you know players recruiting players so it's not like i'm talking to you know my friend that agrees with everything i say you're 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 talking from experience and i think that's big and that's one of the main reasons why i wanted to do this because i wanted to kind of talk to coaches that could kind of back me up in terms of yeah that's what we're looking for and that's what players need to do more of mm-hmm. for sure so i got i got one more question for you because i don't want to take up too much of your time so something i kind of like to end with in terms of, of the podcast is a question that um i've gotten pretty good responses uh you know so far so we'll see you know what your answer would be but what is what is one one non-negotiable thing that you have to do every day that that isn't basketball related. So kind of kind of something that like you know you wake up and you think all right I, I got to do this you know before the day's over you know no could be big could be small just kind of something you got to make sure you do you know that isn't re- isn't related to basketball because obviously you do but you know your basketball it's your job you know it's how you make a living so kind of something that you do that isn't in the basketball field. Yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing for me, because uh, I'm a big family person, uh, you know, one of the biggest things for me is I have two young daughters, two years old and one years old. Uh, so one of the non-negotiables for me kind of throughout the day is, is making sure, you know, I dropped them off at school. I got about an hour commute up here to Wagner. Um, me and my family, we live in Philadelphia. Uh, so one of the biggest things for me and one of the best things is, is, is taking them to school every day. Uh, before I come and, and get in the gym with our guys. Now, obviously, some days, you know, for traveling, you know, on the road and stuff like that, that's not possible. But you know, every day that I'm home and I'm sleeping in my bed, um, you know, that's a non-negotiable for me. I have to take them to school because, uh, like I said, I think, you know, at times as coaches, you know, we live a crazy life, we have a crazy schedule. Uh, having that balance with your family, I think, is key. Like I said, I'm fortunate enough that. You know, my wife played college basketball. She understands my job and and what I'm doing, um, you know, on a daily basis. You know, most people think we just roll the balls out there, blow the whistle, and then go home every day. Um, you know, but that's the biggest thing for me is, is family, um, and that starts with my daughters and and making sure that I'm there for them um, at all times when I'm home and I'm present. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, and and I agree with that, and I could even speak on that in terms of obviously not having a family of my own, but just like the idea of, you know, oh, you coach basketball, you know, I'm sure that's easy. You know, you show up and, like you said, roll the balls out and tell people what to do and just stand there. It's like, you know, there's a lot that goes behind that, especially, you know, in your position at your level. You know, there's a lot of things that that go on that people don't see that – that you have, you know, in your on your plate. So that I think that's awesome that you make time to do that. But before I let you go, I, tell people where to find you on social media in terms of, you know, your Twitter and whatnot, uh, so they can find you, you know, if they want to follow you. Uh, thanks, Anthony. Um, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at Bob Jordan One. Um, and if any coaches, young coaches, that want to reach out and ask any questions about what we talked about. Um, I'm always open to that. Love getting back to people and, and kind of a lot of people did that for me when I was come up in coaching. So, you know, one of the biggest things I always think about is I should do that for other people as well. Um, so if anybody ever wants to reach out through social media or, you know, any way, uh, feel free to hit me up and ask any question. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Coach, for your time, and, and I really, really appreciate you doing this, and best of luck this year. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Have a good one, Coach. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pew Podcast. If you guys want to know when new episodes come out, head over to the Apple Podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're there, leave us a review. That would help the podcast grow tremendously, and I'd really appreciate it. Lastly, make sure you guys are following me on all social media. So Twitter, I am at Anthony underscore Pew 2. And Instagram, I'm at Anthony Pew 2. And that's Pew, P-U-G-H. I appreciate your guys' support, and we'll catch you in the next one.